This is the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League, presented by United Dairy Farmers. The Reds are on the radio. The Hot Stove League is brought to you by the Holy Grail Banks Tavern and Grill, Norcom, your audiovisual information technology solutions provider, Norcom.com, JTM Food Group. Let's create great dishes together. Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, and by MSA Design. Design, create, innovate. The Reds Hot Stove League is brought to you by Kelsey Chevrolet, home of lifetime powertrain protection and guaranteed credit approval. From our family to yours for life, visit KelseyChev.com. RNL Carriers, your global transportation provider. Visit RLC.com today. And by United Dairy Farmers. UDF now makes donuts in our new family bakery from our own recipe. The Reds are on the radio. Now the Hot Stove League on the Reds Radio Network on 700 WLW. Good evening, and for the next hour, we're going to be talking Reds baseball. This is the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. With Jim Day, I am Tommy Thraw, and boy, is it great to be talking some Reds baseball. As Well, we're not even into winter yet. 70 degrees outside today, and uh, here we are. Uh, we'll recap last season. We'll talk about the offseason a little bit, and uh, as the Hot Stove League, I think we'll probably be heating up, it seems like, in earnest. Jim, uh, it, it, it's, it's certainly a, a fun time, and we've got Got some fun things to talk about, including Tucker Barnhart coming up here in just a second. Yeah, really happy for Tucker uh, yesterday, which, by the way, Major League Baseball. I mean, come on. Did we have to announce it yesterday? It's not like anything was going on last night. <laughs> kind of odd throwing the that out there, the timing. I, I, when I first saw it weeks back, I'm like, what? That's Election Day. Why would they do that? Anyways, with that being said, I digress. Uh, the, the, the game's big, a creature of habit. It is. Uh, the big news, though, Tucker, is his second gold glove, and uh, we've all grown to really like this guy, obviously as a player, but as a person as well, and see him uh, grow up, if you will, through the red system, and now a two-time gold glover, just really happy for him. Just the third Reds catcher to win multiple gold gloves, yeah. joining Johnny Finch. So, uh, of course, anytime you're mentioned with Johnny Bench, that's that's good company. Speaking yeah. of Tucker, let's keep him uh, waiting no more. We welcome in Tucker Barnhart, Reds catcher. Tucker, how are things? Everything's great. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I'm glad that, that to be talking some baseball. It's a, uh, it's a fun, good feeling. No question about that. Well, congratulations, first off. I mean, very well er deserved. Th does the second one feel different than the first one? You know, I, it does in a way. Uh, it kind of... Being able to validate the first one um, for me is a pretty cool feeling. Um, and then it, the circumstances obviously are a little bit different this year uh, with the way that the voting was concerned. Um, and then obviously the season uh, that goes without saying that the season was different. So um, the voting this year was strictly on numbers. Um, in years past, it's been um, voted on and the numbers have factored in. So. To, uh, for it to be specifically on the numbers and to, to win it that way, uh, it was a, it's a pretty cool feeling. You kind of knew, did you not, that they were when they were going on numbers that, you know, in years past, we're like, well, he's one of the finalists. He, he has a really good shot of winning. But we almost all knew you were going to win this award just because of the numbers. Were you confident in that regard? Well, I'm glad you knew because I really didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I To be honest with you, I, I – I knew I was playing well defensively. I knew I was having a good season. 
but it really wasn't until towards the end of the year my agent sent me some numbers um, just from from different websites and I, I, I was starting to approach some of my numbers that um, I, I I put up in 17 from the defensive side and, and and that was in obviously that was in a season where I caught uh, over 100 games and and to be able to approach those numbers in a shortened season I knew I was uh, doing something right and then and then the the uh, the not so humble part of me said you know I'd be willing to bet that that's some of the the better numbers in the league and so so once I did see those I, I knew I had a pretty good chance of at least being a finalist and to be honest uh, my thought process was like I'd be anxious to see if there's anybody that's doing any better than this um and so so when when i did see numbers later on in the year i i felt like i had a good chance um but it, it wasn't until later on in the year uh that i that i felt like i was a, at least in a, in a good spot to be a finalist talk about the work you've put in to become an even better defender i think a lot of people think well you win a gold glove you're as good as you can be as a defender and then you go on and continue to work at your craft you really worked a lot with jr house and, and you improved in a lot of different areas of your game talk about the work that that went into that and and, and really what you were focusing on it to become a better catcher from a defensive standpoint yeah i mean for for me the the thought process is as as a professional that gets paid to do what I do, it, it would be I'd be remiss to not go out and make an effort to get better. I mean, obviously, sometimes though that that translates into better production, and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, that's just part of it. But uh, you know, for me, it, it, I I just I was given some information that that I hadn't seen in the past, and. And that's not an indictment on anybody. I just was that I played for prior. It just was just the reality of the situation, and uh, we we kind of transitioned more to a more analytic um, thought process uh, as a whole, um, not only the catchers catching position, but just as a as an organization. And I was I was given numbers that, quite frankly, I needed to get better at. Um, and, and you know, I, I took it two ways. I, I took it that I was like. Well, obviously, I want to get better. I mean, I, I'm, I'm hurting my team, and I, I'm speaking on the framing number because that's where I've really made made strides. Um, I, I'm hurting my team because I'm I'm taking pitches that are inside the strike zone and not getting them called strikes, and, and obviously that hurts the team. Um, so obviously, I wanted to get better there um, for for my team, but then also I took it as I want to go glove in 2017. And there's still a lot to get better at. And so I, I thought that was a pretty good sign for the future moving forward. So here we are, um, and, and I feel like I've gotten a lot better to be to, without getting into fundamentals and, and anything like that. I've just completely flipped the way I catch the ball. Um, so it's a complete 180, um, and, I, and I'm happy with the progress, and I'm, I'm ready to keep moving forward. Last five years, analytics have uh, – I mean, you want to talk about a quick ascension. Um and I think you and I have even talked in the past. I, I'm I question defensive metrics, uh, particularly the framing numbers. Um, did it take you a while to agree with them? And then when was the time? Was it when Jr. had that initial conversation with you that you needed to change, do a complete 180? And how did you go about? I mean, you were when this started, you were near the bottom of the league in framing. Now you're at the top. How'd you do it? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, you're exactly right. I mean, I, it took me a while to come around. It took me a while to. I'm still coming to, around. <laughs> yeah, right. 
<laughs> me too. <laughs> it took me it took me a while to not honestly like I'm not I'm not an excuse maker. It's not just that's just not the way that I way I, that I go about things. But I found myself in a situation where I was making excuses. I was just saying, well, there's a lot of things that are outside of my control um, from a framing aspect, which there are there, and there's no arguing that. However, there were things that I needed to get better at, and so instead of instead of falling back on that excuse. I stopped doing that, and when I had the conversation with Jr., we we said, "Hey, like this is what you did defensively um, in the in the past, and this is how I mean, this is how good you were, and we can make you better." And that, to me, when he brought it to me that way, I was like, "This is cool." Like he's invested a lot of time and a lot of effort. I, I remember like yesterday uh, when Jr. first got the job, um, he flew into Indianapolis, or he was in Cincinnati. And he drove over. Um, this was in the middle of the off season, snow on the ground, in Indianapolis. He came over and watched me catch uh, a bullpen of Drew Storen when uh, Drew was rehabbing uh, from Tommy John. And um, we went to lunch after that and, and just sat down and kind of hashed out the numbers. And it was really cool. And just that's just the type of coach and type of guy Jr. is. Like he invests so much time and effort uh, into into us as as catchers um, that it's, it it doesn't go unnoticed and it's appreciated so much and so it's just i'm still coming around it's about all in as far as the analytics are concerned however uh there is a place in baseball there's no question about it um and there's probably more of a place now than there ever has been um and it just was more for me it was more of just accepting that i needed to get better and, and doing whatever I could to try and get better, and, and hopefully that would result in uh, more production on the field. We're visiting with Tucker Barnhart, who just won his second career Gold Glove Award. That was announced yesterday, just the third Reds catcher to win multiple Gold Gloves, joining Johnny Bench and Johnny Edwards. He is the first Reds catcher not named Johnny to win multiple Gold Gloves. <laughs> Tucker, congratulations on that. you got time to stick around. We have more I want to talk to you about, uh, including uh, maybe maybe your cooking prowess at some point coming up. Yeah, yeah let's do it. All right. Sounds good, guys. We're visiting with Reds catcher Tucker Barnhart, and you're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. We're visiting with Reds catcher Tucker Barnhart, who just took home his second career gold glove. You got uh, enough room there in your uh, trophy case for another gold glove? And maybe if you want I think we'll uh, I think we'll find some space for it. Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure on that. <laughs> I you know I don't know. Have you picked out a spot for it yet? Um, I got a I have something in my basement that has my minor league one, uh, my one from seventeen on it, um, and then so whenever I do get this one from twenty twenty, uh, it will find its spot right next to those. So uh, I've got a couple of Roberto Clemente nominee awards there. A couple of my. Uh, things my my good guy award that i've won a couple times that'll all kind of be together it's pretty cool uh, I'm, I'm guessing they're all kind of surrounding the golden skillet or whatever it was you won last uh well a few months ago in the big cooking challenge right that's the one that's front and center the what was that mitt. the oven the yes yeah, yeah yeah that's the that's the that's, that's the my prominent prize gold glove. Right, that's what I figured. Um, I, you were talking about pitch framing, and uh, we will get into food here in a little bit. But but I want to talk to you about that because in uh, rewind, that to me seems like something that would be very challenging as an established player to make an adjustment like that because there there seems to be a lot of factors that could could go into play there. Um, for one, I, I think it is hard to kind of break old habits, is it not? And then secondly. Uh, th- 
do, do you feel like that's a tough adjustment to still be a good receiver while still working on your pitch framing? I guess I mean, um, I would think that would make you susceptible to perhaps more pass balls or wild pitches, things like that. That hasn't seemed to affect you. So how did you overcome those obstacles? Well, you know, for me, I think the receiving and the pitch framing go hand in hand. Um, so I, I don't. I, th- I think that I think they're one and the same, and I think they're. Uh, if you correct one, you correct the other. You correct the other, or make the other one better. Um, so for me, it was just um, more than anything. It was just again seeing the, the 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 proof was in the pudding. Like I was, if I were to continue to receive the way I was receiving, I was going to hurt my team, and that was all I needed to see. Um, and, and I made the, I made the change um, it, to be to be quick when it comes to uh, like giving a fundamental breakdown. Uh, if you think about catching a ball, I was I initially was catching it out front and I was bringing it towards my body, um, and then I but I completely flipped it and now I start closer to my body and I work away from my body. So it's it's um, it. it it sounds like it would take a lot more time than it did. Uh, it just took a, it just took some time in spring training, really uh, talking about glove positioning, uh, where I, and where I started my glove at, um, and, and just the thought process. Um, and so, uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised with the time that it didn't take to to at least start the adjustment in a positive direction. Um, and, and I'm just, I'm, it, I think it stems to the way that Jr. and Nate and Christian, those guys kind of put together a plan and it was attacking certain things on a daily basis. And I was able to, to, to check little boxes off every day that, that helped me get to a point where I knew that the, that everything that, that was under my control was taken care of. And at the end of the day, um, just going out and catching the ball that's thrown to you. Um, and so once I corrected what I needed to correct personally, um, I just took my chances with uh, with and, and obviously getting to know the guys that you're you're catching and, and learning where their pitches are going that makes you a better receiver anyway or a better pitch framer anyway. So um, having some consistency as far as the guys I was catching definitely helped because it allowed me to 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 catch more of their pitches and know what their pitches were going to do um, more and so it helped me out a lot. All the stars aligned, and with that in mind. Correct me if I'm wrong. What you you won in seventeen, right? And yes. That, that was the birth of your first son. Yes, Tatum. Twenty twenty, the birth of your second son. Correct. Uh, yes. And you win the Gold Glove both years. Is there any correlation to this? How about that? Isn't that crazy? Uh, I got asked that question uh, yesterday too, um, or last night, and and I, it's weird. It's uh, it's weird that it's happened this way. Um, I haven't done anything differently, uh, but it's just, it'll be a really cool story that uh, my oldest Tatum is, is starting to understand a little bit. Um, Sierra got me, uh, got a cake for me last night that said congratulations or whatever. And um, they were singing happy gold glove to me, which was really cool. And so my son, <laughs> my oldest is, is trying, he's starting to understand it. Um, but it'll be a cool, a cool story that I'll be able to, share with my boys uh, forever so it's something that I'll never forget switching gears a little bit we, we've talked before and I, I don't think it's any secret that you are uh, you, you certainly have a passion for cooking uh, first things first have you been have you been cooking much this offseason and uh, I also noticed that you've been uh, 
interacting on social media with some some celebrity chefs. So uh, you yeah. teaming up with anybody there? Uh, well, I've been cooking uh, quite a bit, uh, actually, and um, I've been also interacting with uh, Scott Conant that's on just about every Food Network show that there is, uh, whether he's a judge or he's cooking uh, in the thing or he's the host. So uh, I've been talking with him back and forth, um, and then we are hopefully down the line maybe we're talking about maybe getting together and, and doing something something cool. I don't know if it'll come of anything, but uh, it'll be a lot of fun uh, just kind of interacting. It's been a lot of fun interacting with with, uh, with him, uh, with Bo McMillan, who also is on the Food Network, um, that we did the uh, um, cooking thing during spring training a couple years ago. Uh, so it's, it's been a lot of fun, man. I mean, as you know, and it's no secret, it, cooking is a passion of mine. That It's a getaway and something that I love to do. And, and to be able to um, dive into that hobby um, as well as obviously doing my day job, uh, it's been really cool. It was one of my most favorite shoots that I set up with you and Chef Bo. And people said, well, exactly. What was my motivation? <laughs> I'm like, well, good TV would probably come in second on this one. This would be because <laughs> I get to eat during this <laughs> from a professional <laughs> cook. <laughs> now, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to do that. Bo's a great guy. Yeah. And, uh, we, we still talk. We, we stay in contact. Uh, we text back and forth, and every time I see him, when I see him on the Food Network, because he's on there just about as much as Scott is, I text him and tell him I'm watching him, and he asks how I am, and it's it's cool. He's a, he's a good dude. Tucker, certainly appreciate the time. Very happy for you for winning your second career gold glove, and uh, really appreciate you taking the time to join us this evening. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you as always. Great to talk some baseball. I hope everybody's uh, having a good off season, and uh, hope they have a good holiday uh, coming up. All right. Thanks so much. Congrats. That is, is Reds catcher. Thanks, Ketcher. guys. Tucker Barnhart, for uh, big thanks to him for joining us today on the Reds Hot Stove League, as always presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. The Reds Hall of Fame and Museum, presented by Dinsmore, is proud to present the Johnny Bench Home Run Collection. Each home run is autographed by Johnny and delivered in a deluxe display with a photo collage and certificate of ownership. Details on the Johnny Bench home run collection available at redsmuseum.org. With Jim Day, I'm Tommy Thrall. We'll continue to talk Reds baseball. Plus, we'll take your phone calls. Coming up, again, the phone number, 513-749-7000, pounds, 700 for AT&T customers. It is the Reds Hot Stove League on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. With Jim Day, I'm Tommy Thraw. Glad to take your phone calls on 513-749-7000, pound 700 for AT&T customers. And, uh, well, we're talking some Reds baseball. Tucker Barnhart, of course, won his second Gold Glove Award, and uh, he was just remarkable defensively uh, this year. Had a great year. Uh, for the Reds, and he caught a great pitching staff. And, Jim, I think that's when you look at, at, at last season, that's the thing that really stands out. Uh, both of these catchers caught a tremendous pitching staff. It was headed by Trevor Vower, who you figure is the front runner to win the first Cy Young. He would be the first Reds Cy Young Award winner, which is certainly exciting as well. Uh, but this is still a pitching staff, regardless of what happens with Trevor Bauer, that still has some pieces that, that give you uh, some some reason for optimism that, uh, next year. Well, I think 
Sonny Gray, when he's on, is, uh, you know, as good as, as anyone in the game. Um, I'd like to see all these guys work deeper into games, but that's uh, a different story. But he's, he could certainly anchor the top of your rotation. Luis Castillo uh, has that talent as well. Now, he had a bit of a down year, although he did come on. There were some inconsistency inconsistencies with his game this year. But those two in your top two, um, even without Bauer, you're going into the season in, in pretty good shape. Uh, you, you have Tyler Malley, who, who made some strides this year. Uh, you still have Wade Miley, who this, this last year, I mean, you can look at Wade Miley and say, yeah, so 2020, because this is a guy that was just an Iron Man throughout his right. career, and all of a sudden he has injuries this year. You still have him signed as a, a left-hander. And I thought T.J. Antone was probably the most pleasant surprise of anyone. Uh, this is a big guy that has some nasty, nasty stuff who we saw mostly out of the bullpen, got a couple of starts, but he's been a starter his whole life. I'm excited about what the future might hold for him. I think that he's going to be very much in contention. And then Michael Lorenzen for what he did down the stretch and particularly working a couple of long stints, um, changing his repertoire, um, I think they're going to allow him to compete for a starting job as well. So you've certainly got some arms to work with. And we didn't even mention a guy, you know, that is he going to be with the big club to start next year? No. But does he have a chance by the end of the season? Maybe. I'm talking about a Hunter Green or a Nick Lodola. Mm -hmm. You've got some youngsters waiting in the wings as well. So um, they've got some talent there, there's no doubt. And that's when you mentioned Trevor Bauer. They still think they have a shot to sign Trevor Bauer. I think it's an outside shot, but um, – We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly, you lose a guy like that. If you do lose a guy like Trevor Bauer, that's a, a big void at the top of the rotation. But you just rattled off a bunch of names uh, that can fill out this rotation. You would still figure to be fairly top-heavy in your one-two spots with mm -hmm. Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo. You talked about the progress he made during the season. I don't think that's insignificant. A guy you mm -hmm. didn't mention that I thought made great strides throughout the course of the season. The Reds certainly seem to be pretty happy with the progress he made. Tyler Malley. Now, I mentioned Malley oh, there, just My very bad. quickly. Okay, yep. all right. Well, made some strides. Yeah, there you go. He did. He, ma he made a lot of progress. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I think that's encouraging as well. So there, there's a lot, like I said, to start this. There's still a lot to be optimistic about from a pitching standpoint. Mm -hmm. I'm sure this stuff will start to come into focus. There are going to be some free agents that you can look at. Trevor Powers, one. I uh, just read a tweet while we were on the air today that said that he has declined the qualifying offer, which, oh, you know, that's, that. yeah, that's that's expected. That's all part of the process. And now you just kind of see where the negotiations well, He doesn't go. like the process either. No. The qualifying <laughs> offers are stupid. <laughs> you know, the one thing, uh, you know where he stands on things, don't you? Well, yeah. it would be nice. My first thought was it would be nice to be in a category where someone said, for one year we're going to pay you $18 million. Nah, I'll nah, turn that down. That's a good situation. That'd be a to good be in. situation to be in, wouldn't it? Yeah, boy, yeah. it's going to be really interesting. Something to keep an eye on this off season. But it's a formality, right? It is the that qualifying. Is. It, it, You're doing it to get the draft pick. Yep. If Trevor Bauer signs elsewhere, the Reds get one of those sandwich picks, which and, is high, which you can get some really good players. At, so. And it also depends on the dollar amount that he would sign for. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. It's it's varying degrees on, on where that, that compensation well, pick is. He's going to sign for top dollar, so it's going to be a big There's pick. No doubt. It's going to be a high pick. No doubt. Um, so that is something to keep an eye on. The, the other thing to keep an eye on throughout this this offseason will be how, how do contracts look for next year? We've oh. already seen a number of players, mm -hmm. um, non-tendered by their teams, that, that you thought were – 
were no-brainers. Colton yeah. Wong with the Cardinals was certainly one of those. Um, so, so that's just see how see how these free agents play out. See how teams are handling the money this year. And uh, there, there's going to be a lot to keep an eye on from that perspective as we really get into this offseason. So, so kind of keep an eye on that. Uh, a lot still to talk about. We've got kind of a Tucker Barnhart highlight reel celebrating uh, a fine season as he picks up his second career gold glove. We talked to him to start the show. Uh, also got a soundbite from J.R. House. All that coming up, we continue talking Reds baseball. You're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. And as always, you can give us a call. 749-7000, pound 700 on AT&T. This is the Reds Hot Stove League on the Reds Radio Network. The Holy Grail Tavern and Grill and Bud Light are proud sponsors of the Hot Stove League. Join us at the Holy Grail to cheer on your favorite college team. Every UC, XU, UK, and OSU game, you can enjoy a bucket of five ice-cold Bud Lights at the Holy Grail at the Banks, located next to Great American Ballpark. Join us for all the Cincinnati Cyclones home games and watch every play in high def on our 80-inch HD TVs. The Holy Grail and Bud Light. Your search is over. Talking Reds baseball, it's the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. With Jim Day, I am Tommy Thrall. I want to see your name in lights. Commemorate your special occasion with a message on Great American Ballpark scoreboard. For a limited time, you can customize messages to display on the scoreboard for a donation to the Reds Community Fund. Digital and photo options available for this once-in-a-lifetime keepsake. Visit reds.com slash gift messages for more information. You can give us a call, 513-749-7000, pound. 700 for AT&T customers and 1-800-THE-BIG-1. We are celebrating Tucker Barnhart and his second gold glove. Uh, our folks with the Reds Radio Network put together a, a nice little highlight package. And, and this is kind of a 2020 Tucker Barnhart rewind. And Barnhart launches one to right and hit deep. Back goes Polanco at the wall. He turns and looks. It is gone. 1-1 pitch. Lindor is running. The pitch is low. Throw to second. A good one. And out at second base. What a throw from Barnhart on a breaking ball in the dirt. Barnhart swings and drives one pretty deep to center field. Hit well. Backing up Thomas at the wall. He leaps. It is gone. Tucker Barnhart. He ties it up at three with a two-run blast to strike. Straightaway center field. Tucker Barnhart, some of his offensive highlights, and, uh, of course, his catch-and-throw percentages were outstanding this year as well. He allowed just two pass balls, caught 36% of the attempted base stealers against him. A remarkable season for Tucker Barnhart. We talked about it with him. Pretty impressive to see the growth that he made, having already won a gold glove and continuing to just get better and work on it. And you think about those percentages. Think about the guys that he caught. When you're catching Sonny Gray, and I know Kurt Casale caught him a lot too, but when you're catching Sonny Gray, you're getting a workout. There's there's half the not half the balls, but a lot of balls are in the dirt. You're uh, catching Luis Castillo. That changeup, you don't know where that thing's gonna go. And then he's coming back with 98. Bowers curveball off the charts crazy to catch think about the guys that he caught with those percentages so no, there's no question he and, earned and it. you didn't even mention Rysel Iglesias had oh, some of yeah. the nastiest stuff this year that we have seen yeah, from him did. in a long time um, so you factor in some of the relievers uh, you, you talked about TJ Antone as well and how filthy he was and th these are guys that Tucker Barnhart hasn't necessarily spent a lot of time with mm -hmm. in his career that he had to get to know in a hurry 
So really an impressive year for Tucker Barnhart. Very deserving of his second gold glove. And, well, the guy that helps him make those strides behind the plate, J.R. House, had some comments about uh, Tucker Barnhart and the success that he had and the improvements that he made, especially with regards to uh, his uh, pitch framing. Here is J.R. House talking about the progress that Tucker Barnhart made as a uh, pitch framer as well this year. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, right now, the sheriff is busy on the phone, so we'll get to we'll get to that. You were stalling as long as you could. I was that really was trying. Quality work. Yeah. Well, thanks. I, I I'm glad you noticed that. Uh, <laughs> Jr. House, though, you want to talk about another guy that's uh, fun to watch. I wish the fans could see the workouts that he puts these catchers through. Oh, there's no. I've question. always said the catchers need to get paid double in spring training because they do double the work. Uh, but these drills are crazy. I mean, they're crazy. They are. And and Tucker gave J.R. House a lot of credit for yeah. improving his pitch framing. And here's what J.R. had to say about it. I mean, he said it at the very beginning of the interview is that he was towards the bottom tier um, as far as like major league catchers in that category. Um, and, and now he's at the top. You know what I mean? So really full circle. Um, and it just has to do with him putting his mind to it and being able to work through some things and, um, you know, take in the good and get rid of the bad and, and, and make it all work out at the end. And that's exactly what Tucker Parnahart did. He made a lot of progress with regards to pitch framing. We've got uh, Bob on the line from Independence. Hey, Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you. What do you got for us today? Well, I want to know if, if, if you were the, ma uh, the manager of the Reds, how would you explain to the owner of the Reds that um, uh, the guy that wins the gold glove behind the plate only plays part-time? I, I don't understand that. Well, well uh, there's, there's a lot of factors. Thanks for the phone call, Bob. Appreciate it. Um, I, I think there's, I don't know, Jeb, there's a lot of factors that goes into this because it's not just what he does behind the plate. He does do a good job working with the pitchers, but it also – this is a team that was really starving for offensive production all season. So any time that they felt they could get a boost offensively uh, from that position, David Bell was going to try to take advantage of that if he had a matchup that, that he liked a little bit better. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Well, I mean, they're all in analytically now. So they're going to go with the percentages. They're almost like handicappers. They're just going to go with the percentages. And with Tucker exclusively batting from the left-hand side now, when there was a left-handed starting pitcher on the mound, or if there was a left-handed reliever that came in, he was going to get pinch hit for, or he was not going to be in the lineup that day. Um, there are certain guys that get on a roll. Sonny Gray and Kurt Casale, uh, former Vanderbilt guys, have a, a really good rapport. So Kurt caught a lot of Sonny Gray's games just because that's managers do that all the time. Guys have, I don't want to say personal catcher because it wasn't that situation, but they have guys that they will tend to throw to more than others. So... Um, they're all in, man. They're going to go with the percentages. Now, <laughs> how do you explain that to someone? It, I guess you explain it that way, and that this year, the Gold Glove, they were going strictly on numbers. There was no voting. And and, and the pitching is good either way. I mean, the pitchers had success with both catchers. I, mm -hmm. I think that's worth noting, too. And Tucker Barnhart is a Gold Glove catcher. There's no question about it. He was very deserving of it. 
but Kirk Casale is a very he, he's a good catcher as well. He he does a nice job behind the plate, does a nice job handling the pitchers as well. We'll wrap it up. You're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. Uh, we'll wrap it up when we return here on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League. Wrapping things up, as always, we're presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. Still a little time to sneak in your phone call. 513-749-7000, 1-800-THE-BIG-ONE. With Jim Day, I am Tommy Thrall, Cincinnati Reds outfielder Shogo Akiyama and Yuya Kubo of, the, uh, of FC Cincinnati. Team up on November 12th via Zoom to benefit the Japan-American Society of Greater Cincinnati. For additional information and to register for this event, visit JASGC.org. We have been talking some Reds baseball, some other notes and some news to uh, pass along, uh, and we haven't really talked about it too much. Of course, one is Shogo Akiyama and the fact that he was a finalist for a, f- a gold glove in left field in his first year with the Reds. Uh, and the other thing is is uh, there was some concern on whether or not Nick Castellanos would be back, but uh, he did not opt out, so he will be back. He was certainly a bright spot for the Reds early on. Uh, I don't think what we saw out of Castellanos toward the end of the year is necessarily indicative uh, of, of what you can expect from him moving forward. Uh, I think the numbers throughout his career uh, would indicate that. I think he is a hot and cold player, uh, but but things started to, to turn back for him a little bit in the right direction by the very end of the season over the last uh, few weeks. So, so I, I think that's exciting to have him back. Definitely a streaky player. I There was no chance that he was going to opt out the way that this economic climate is, not only in baseball, but in the world right now. There was, in my eyes, no chance that he was opting out. I know people were worried about that. Um, he is a streaky player, but, you know, across the board, they have to be better offensively. It, you, you can't be much worse. Now, I hate to say that, but that's just the way it is. Now, the numbers were down across the league offensively. It was a different animal this year, but there's they all know it, too. I'm not telling them right. anything they don't know. They have to be better offensively, all of them, every single player on the team. And you're right. That's not a secret. Uh, they finished last in the league in hitting last year. The pitching was outstanding. Uh, and the pitching is a big reason why they ended up in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And I think also you look at what the Reds did offensively over the last two, three weeks of the season. I felt like they were starting to do the little things that it takes to win baseball games. They were starting to find holes. And, and they were talking about it publicly even uh, as the season came down the stretch, right when they were starting to turn things around. Hey, look, there's ways to, to get on base. There's ways to drive guys in. We've got to start doing that. Um, and they did. And, and I thought that was certainly something that gives you uh, optimism moving forward. Uh, we all know what happened in the postseason. We don't need to relive that. Uh, but we also found out that the Reds weren't the only team that had trouble with Braves pitching in the postseason. That they, no. they, they they were shutting down a lot of offenses, so it wasn't just the Reds. Uh, but the, there is reason to be optimistic, and I think another reason for that is Shogo Akiyama. I, I thought his bat really started to come around and liked what we saw out of him at the end. Yeah, there was no one that was hurt worse by uh, not getting a full spring training, um, having to ramp down and ramp back up. No one was affected more in my eyes than Shogo Akiyama. Uh, can you imagine what he... He came to America for the first time in 2020 during the coronavirus pandemic. What he thinks of 
the United States of America right now. I, I, I would love to ask you that uh, someday because it's just crazy. It's been crazy for everyone, but it really affected him. But you, like you said, you saw signs at the end where he was um, getting on base. He was walking. He was seeing the ball better. And it was he was slapping the ball around. You could see defensively they didn't shift on Shogo. Um, they knew that he was spraying the ball all over the place. So, uh, to me, uh, a real good all-around hitter are the, the ones that they are not shifting very much on defensively, and they didn't shift on him. No. Once he really started to find his swing, uh, yeah, you, you didn't see it as much. That was, that was encouraging. Um, certainly a lot to like there, of course, when you're uh, a Gold Glove finalist. That's something to be excited about as well. No he, doubt. No question. And he was about a center defense. fielder primarily in Japan. The adjustment to left field, he did a really nice job. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF for the broadcast sheriff Dave Keaton and for Jim Day and Jeff Carr. This is Tommy Thrall saying good night.